Good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's and a special welcome to our visitors who are worshiping with us this morning. Well, it was about time. One of my favorite t-shirts I've been wearing to work and as a jammy shirt and for lounging around the house, one of the most comfortable t-shirts is time to finally throw away. Every guy has one of those, one of those t-shirts that's about 10, 15, 20 years old. But it's a good reminder for us that eventually everything here wears out. This morning, the Lord encourages each of us to set our hearts on heavenly treasures that never wear out. And when you wrap yourself up in those, nothing is more comfortable. We'll follow our order of service as it's printed out for us in the worship folder, beginning with our opening hymn. stand. Oh Lord, open my lips. Hasten to save me, oh God. Give glory to God, our light and our life. Come, oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout with joy to our saving God.
Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we are to pray and willing to give far more than we either desire or deserve. Pour upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things for which we are not worthy to ask except through the merits and mediation of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated for our scripture lessons. In our first lesson today from Genesis chapter 15, Abraham had it all. You might wonder, what would he possibly be concerned about? Well, his heart was set on the Lord's promises that one of his descendants, all nations, would be blessed through him. As the Lord reassured Abraham, he reassures us and he credits us righteous through faith as well. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. The word of the Lord. Our psalm for today, Psalm 121, reminds us that there's no need to worry. The Lord watches over our coming and going now and forevermore. We sing the psalm together.
In our second lesson from Hebrews chapter 13, many people here think about finding their forever home, especially as they're looking to buy a new house or to move. Not so with Abraham. Abraham lived in tents and realized that he was a stranger here. Our real home is heaven. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. He was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The word of the Lord. Continue with the solo.
stand in honor of the gospel. The gospel this morning, taken from Luke chapter 12, serves as the basis for our sermon. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you have little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor, Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated for our hymn of the day. 
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ, our priceless treasure. Amen. God's word we consider in the sermon this morning, the gospel from Luke 12. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. The man spent hours shopping for just the right sweater, looking at all kinds of different colors and cuts and styles. He finally found just the right one, or so he thought. He bought it, wrapped it up, gave it to his girlfriend. She loved it, and she decided to wear it when they went out for a walk the next weekend on a cool fall day. The walk went very nice. And uh, later in the day, though, she developed quite a rash all over. Turns out that there was a dye in the sweater that she was pretty allergic to. And the relationship just went downhill from there. And then there was a woman who was living on her own, and her parents decided to come and visit her from out of state. And so this woman, she planned to take them to a restaurant where they could catch some of the local flavor. And they went out to eat, and it was a great-tasting meal. But a couple hours later, they all got terribly sick. Food poisoning. What a disaster. At least their hearts were in the right place, right? So often, you and I think that our hearts are in the right place. We would like to think that they're at least heading in the right direction when they're really headed for disaster. Jesus, this morning, gives us some much-needed instruction on food and faith, on worry and wealth, on clothes and on God's kingdom. And it's only with this much-needed instruction from our Savior that you and I will have hearts in the right place, trusting our Father and treasuring his kingdom. Last week, our gospel lesson, Jesus addressed people who thought they have it all, but really they had nothing, and even their life was demanded from them. This weekend... He addresses people who feel like they have little to nothing. It's kind of strange here in America, a free and prosperous country that we have, that so many people feel like they have little to nothing. They feel as if if they're not a Wall Street tycoon or a CEO of a tech company or a brain surgeon that they're just barely able to scrape by. They worry and fret How are we going to make ends meet? Jesus warns here about worrying about food and clothing. And that is a concern. Even in a country like ours, there are all kinds of organizations dedicated to helping bring food to people who are in need. All kinds of needs, especially when there's been a job loss or a natural disaster or where there's been some major health issues. The words that Jesus used for worry here imply that his disciples had been worrying and that they should stop. Don't continue worrying. Stop it. 
Cut it out. Get rid of your worrying. It's a funny thing about worry, even though it's oftentimes visible in our actions and it comes out in our words, worry is really a thing of the heart. And by saying it the way Jesus did, he emphasizes that he can see the heart. He knows when our hearts have wandered into the state of worry. And so what he does is he takes us out into the country with our Father. Jesus says, look at the ravens. Those ravens were scavenging birds. They were considered unclean by the Jews. Those ravens, they didn't have any kind of storehouse, no warehouse where they could keep their food, no formal job or way of producing food and goods. Yet the Father feeds them. We might connect better with the image of seagulls living here by the lakeshore. Those pesky and selfish birds that will put just about anything in their mouths. Yet our Father feeds them too. If he's willing to feed those foul fowl and those beaks that will bite off just about anything, how much more will he feed us and see to it that we have the food that we need? Why do we keep worrying? Why do we keep worrying when that won't add even one hour to our life? Our Father knows when life begins and when life ends. He's the one who brings life about. Or look at the wildflowers. Those brilliant yellows that are brighter than gold. Those deep purples that are richer than a royal robe. Those lush and vibrant reds out in the fields that are more intense than rubies and, and all the flower petals that are more numerous than gems or the green majestic beauty of the rolling forests and fields that we get to see as we drive around the highways here in Wisconsin. Those fields don't work to look the way they do. Our Heavenly Father just dresses them in beauty, blankets them in glory, not even Solomon was dressed with splendor like that. Don't worry. Stop your worrying. Don't set your heart on what you will eat or what you will wear. Jesus says the pagan world runs after those kinds of things. And if the unbelieving world considers something extremely important, it's a pretty good indicator that it's really not worth all that much effort on our part. And it really isn't going to bring us any lasting value whatsoever. After all, what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? In this section, Jesus uses three different words for worry. And that's pretty fitting because you and I, we find all kinds of different ways to worry. We worry about what we will eat, we worry about how much we will eat. We worry whether it will taste just right or not. We worry about the nutritional content of what we will eat. We worry about the style of our clothing, how we look in front of the mirror to ourself. We worry about what other people will think about how we look. So much worry. Now, don't get me wrong, it's actually a good thing to be wise about what we eat, take care of the bodies that God has given us. 
And it's a good thing to be a little bit concerned about the image that we project when it comes to how we represent our Father. Yet we find so many different ways, worrying about food and clothing and bills and finances and retirement and tomorrow and everything else that goes along with life. Life is so much more than that. Jesus says here that worry is actually the opposite of faith. And he is not afraid to call out lacking and little faith when he sees it. He says, you who worry like that, you're worrying just like an unbeliever. And after all of their worrying, what will they have in the end? No food. No clothing. Ashamed, starving, destitute, in desolation forever. But you? You are so valuable. Worth so much. The Father has served everything up and set it in front of you. He made you his concern. He planned for you before the beginning of time and he prepared everything for you as he shaped history and molded it down through the generations to you. He kept his promise to send his one and only son. Jesus shed his blood more precious than gold or silver. You're worth so much to your heavenly father. Jesus sowed and he reaped so that you and I have a spot in his eternal barn in his eternal storehouse. Jesus labored and spun to give you garments that never go out of style in our Father's eyes. At your baptism, you were clothed with your Savior's perfect trust, covering all of your worry up for good. And what you will wear, it's going to be amazing. The perishable clothed with the imperishable, the mortal with immortality, because Jesus did something that you and I could never do. We couldn't add an hour to our life, but Jesus added eternity to our life. Lives that never end. He gave up everything so that you and I would lack nothing, all so that we can call his heavenly Father our heavenly Father. You're so valuable to him. And he knows what you need. Just like he knew that Elijah needed some sustenance, so he gave Elijah water from a brook and bread from ravens. Just like he knew the people in Joppa were in need, and he sent one of his disciples, a woman named Tabitha, who was constantly helping the poor and constantly making robes and other garments for them. The Father knew when the Thessalonian Christians were in need. And so he gave them strength so that they could work with their hands and not be dependent on anybody. So whether it's by sending sunshine or rain, giving us skill or strength, providing through family members or friends, or even sending miracles or an angel, your Heavenly Father knows what you need. He'll take perfect care of you. There's no need to worry you can look to him, and when you do that, your heart is always in the right place, trusting your Father, but also treasuring his kingdom. Perhaps you've noticed this time of year when 
people can be physically present in one location, but their hearts are completely somewhere else. A man is working in his office, but his heart is really out on a boat on the lake, longing to do some fishing. A woman is out running errands, but her heart is really at the dining room table, putting together a puzzle with her children. A little boy is stuck inside in the middle of a thunderstorm, but his heart is really out at the ball diamond, longing to swing some aluminum or leap up high and rob a home run. Hearts can be far away from people's bodies. So Jesus directs our hearts to our Father's kingdom. He says, seek his kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. Our Heavenly Father's kingdom. What an amazing reassurance that our Father gives us here. That even though he's so gracious and generous, he sends the sun and rain on the righteous and the wicked alike, he gives those whose hearts are found in his kingdom this special comfort and confidence that their needs will always be fully met. He cares for you like that. Just where is our Father's kingdom? Many people look for it within the walls of a building or between the borders of a country or a city, but no. Jesus tells us later in Luke that his kingdom, our Father's kingdom, is within you. It's among you. As Jesus was going around preaching throughout Galilee, he he talked about his heavenly Father's kingdom. It's wherever people repent and believe the good news. His kingdom is wherever God's law is proclaimed, his gospel is received by faith. That is the treasure of our heart. That is our soul's delight. That is where our hearts long to be. In our Heavenly Father's kingdom, where Christ's word is preached and his kingdom is grasped by faith. Desperate souls shivering and starving, would walk for thousands of miles, would swim down to the bottom of the ocean or climb the highest mountains just to find God's kingdom. And Jesus says here, seek his kingdom, but God gives it to us. Our Father has been pleased to give us the kingdom. It's been purchased and delivered to you and to me. He gives it to us individually in our baptisms. He proclaims it publicly to us in worship. He serves it up specially in the supper. He gives it to you personally in a devotion, and it echoes all around us in music. Our Father's kingdom, he gives it to us by grace. What a treasure it is. And Since that is our true treasure, the desire and longing of our heart, Jesus can easily say to us, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now what Jesus says there is not a ticket for entrance into God's kingdom. It's really more of a a GPS for where our hearts are. Where is your treasure? Where is your heart? Trusting hearts located in God's kingdom give freely to people who are in need. Confident hearts located in God's kingdom know that our Heavenly Father, out of His endless supply, can repay ten times whatever we gave away. Fearless hearts located in God's kingdom 
give gladly of our earthly treasures in support of bringing heavenly treasures to others. Confident hearts located in our Heavenly Father's kingdom know that earthly treasures are just temporary and heavenly treasures are permanent. This is what hearts found in our Father's kingdom know very well. Just like Barnabas, who went and sold a field and and laid the proceeds from that field at the apostles' feet so that they could distribute it to anyone who was in need. Or just like Susanna and Joanna and Mary Magdalene, women who accompanied Jesus and his disciples in Jesus' ministry, supporting them out of their own means so that Jesus and the disciples could preach and bring our Father's kingdom to crowds of all different sizes. So many people know that. And so do we, whose hearts have been purchased by Jesus' blood and placed in God's kingdom. Hearts ready to have a garage sale and give to others in need. Garage sales teach us something pretty important too, don't they? That possessions here are just temporary. We use them for a while, and then they really just become clutter. We can give them away. Other people need them more than we do. But what truly lasts is the investment that Christ made at the cross. And he's given you and me a share in it. What never spoils is the feast, the banquet in heaven. Robed in our Redeemer, we have a place there to dine and celebrate for all eternity. What can never be taken away is the prize with our Lord. He is our shield and our very great reward. What never gets run down is a room in our Heavenly Father's mansion. Jesus is preparing a place for you right now, up there. And what never corrodes is a crown of righteousness earned by Christ and awarded to you and me and every heart that longs for his appearing. With vehicles that rust out and shirts that tear and toys that break and bodies that stoop and totter, can you imagine something that lasts? Something that can't be taken away? Treasure that is perfectly secure for you and for me? When our hearts are situated there, they're in the right place, treasuring our Father's kingdom. It's been said that you show me your calendar and your bank statement, and I'll show you your heart. It's true, isn't it? Where we spend our money and where we spend our time says pretty much all that can be said about where our heart is. May our hearts always be found in the right place, delighted to spend time in Jesus' word, and eager to spend whatever it takes so that more people can hear Jesus' word. Trusting in our Heavenly Father, treasuring his kingdom all by the Spirit through God's Son, then we'll have hearts in the right place. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.
We sing the Te Deum. You are wise and powerful, good and gracious. Your mercies are new every morning. Each day you open your hand and provide for the needs of your children on earth. Strengthen your church in all the world. 
Let your comforting message of salvation in Christ Jesus be proclaimed to troubled souls everywhere. We bring you our requests for the various structures of our society. Bless our national, state, and local governments. Grant prosperity to our businesses and industries. Give employers a sense of fairness toward their workers and employees a feeling of joy and pride in their workmanship. Invigorate the schools of our land. Give success to every effort that helps students read, think, and communicate in ways that will promote an informed and responsible citizenry. Arouse curious minds to discover the wonders of your created order. Strengthen the families of our country. Give fathers and mothers a renewed commitment to be good parents. Give children and young people the wisdom to regard their parents as your representatives. Heavenly Father, please be with Pat Henning, who has been hospitalized in Green Bay with abdomen troubles. Please also watch over Mike Ostring through the procedure he's having this next week. Grant recovery and health according to your will. Jesus, our heavenly bridegroom, bless Megan Marone and Lucas Martin, married yesterday. Walk with them through life together and draw them ever closer to you by your loving and winsome word. And hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. Gracious Father, we pray boldly as Jesus taught, with the confidence that you will hear and with the faith that you will respond for our welfare. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, our heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us safely to this new day. Defend us with your mighty power and grant that this day we neither fall into sin nor run into any kind of danger. And in all we do, direct us to what is right in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Let us praise the Lord. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord's face ever shine upon you. The Lord grant you peace for all your days.
we sing the closing hymn. Thank you so much for joining us in God's house this morning for worship. Several different announcements here today. Uh, first, we'd like to thank one of our new members, Eli Mattoon, for uh, being a musician this morning and, and helping lead uh, this beautiful service. Um, Kayla, too, we're going to miss you when you go away to college this fall. Thanks for all your work this summer again on the piano. Um, this morning, between services, we have Family Bible Hour. That's going to be here in the church, starting a new unit on anniversary reflections. We'll be looking at some sections of Acts and then some things about Wells' history and some things about our own church's history, all looking ahead to our celebration of our 160th anniversary coming up next month. This morning, Pastor Miller is preaching at Plymouth. We're helping cover things a little bit there this month as well. Uh, there's also Sweet Corn Fest coming up soon. Sweet Corn is picked from a farm up in Manitowoc area, and we can purchase that uh, for free will offering, and then that goes to support MLHS students. And so there's a sign-up sheet if you're intending to, pick, uh, to buy some of that sweet corn. That's in the member room, so please sign up so that we can uh, help plan about how much we'd like to pick for that. The pickup is going to be on August 14th and August 28th here at church.
Next Saturday, we've got the car show, a big and wonderful event where many people can kind of get to know who we are and where we are here in Howard's Grove. Uh, they're still in need of some volunteers for that. And so if you're interested in helping out in some way, um, Aaron, our secretary, is going to be in the office most of the time this coming week. Uh, you're welcome to call there or check out the CCB needs request that was put out a little while ago. Tomorrow is the last of our three summer bonfires. If, you, uh, if the weather's nice and if you're interested in coming out tomorrow evening after the Monday night service, starting around 7 o'clock, bonfire with fellowship out on our parking lot. Then we have an announcement by our head elder, uh, Mr. Eric Eikhoff. He's going to address our congregation briefly. Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, everyone. I just have a couple of announcements from the Board of Elders. Um, I want you to think back to early 2020. And I know that seems like a lifetime ago. We've had a lot that's happened since then. But early in 2020, our average worship attendance here at St. Paul's was uh, over 400 per week. 400 of our members were worshiping. I think it was actually around 420. And then COVID came and changed how we worship. It changed the worship patterns for, for many people. Um, the use of live streaming and, and technology allowed us to kind of come together around the word um, through that time of the lockdown. And as we resumed in-person worship, um, members made decisions regarding with their, within their comfort level about how they return to worship. But as you can see, you know, every week we have our worship numbers uh, printed in the bulletin. We are nowhere near uh, what we were prior to the pandemic. And while we understand that uh, virtual worship is uh, useful for many still and necessary for some, um, we really want to encourage in-person worship here in this house with our family believers coming around the Word and Sacrament. So with that, after Labor Day, we are still going to be recording our services each week, but we will not be making the, the 8 a.m service available via live stream. For those that are still dependent on virtual worship, the recorded service will still be available later that morning around 11 o'clock or so through the website or on YouTube, so it's still available. We're just trying to make um, an effort to uh, have our family here in church worshiping um, around the Word and Sacrament each week. In Psalm 26, 8, it says, I love the house where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory lives. Let us renew our practice of coming where God's glory lives. Let us put our priority back in our weekly worship. I also have another exciting announcement. Um, after years of study and cottage meetings and open forums, 